0: Hey, and welcome. It's Friday, and you're listening to the Dice of Screaming podcast. Ah, ah, no actual dice were harmed in the making of this podcast.
1: Although some should have been.
0: That yeah. traitorous 20 cider. You know, that cacophony of conversation, of podcasts. Yeah. The dice are screaming.
1: Yes, yes. The cacophonous conversation. Uh, you yeah. could barely make it out through the den.
0: That's right. And so. We're coming at you, and we got some topic and rants for you. So they're kind of a dual one. You get uh, double your money tonight, because we kind of go... Last week, we kind of did one, and so we got uh, some traction out of that, because it was kind of a dual topic as well, and also a little bit of a rant. We wow. are talking about what is old school again, and... Uh, Bringing us a little uh, insight onto that is, we got a couple call-ins about that, so we'll get to those in just a moment. But uh, tonight's topic will also kind of be the same way. So prepare yourselves because we will be coming at you I'll two guess. different angles. It's like an Iron Maiden song. You can really riff with <laughs> that heavy metal groove, but, but underneath, but ours go to eleven. That's right. But you can also, you know, get down with some of the deep insight and in lyrics but, content. Yeah. Wow.
1: Boy, way to overread. I I don't think we got that much. I mean, you know, we're we're barely coming at you on one level. Hey, and we're hey. having trouble with the one.
0: That's right. So, <laughs> so anyway, we're going to get to a couple. It's th- a short curb, and both our legs are broken. So <laughs> so getting back, we're going to go right to our call-ins. Uh, we got two from Joe, but two different
2: topics, so we're going to break them up. Joe Richter, Joe Richter, right? So take it away, Joe. What's going on, boys? It's Joe. I know it's been a long time, sorry about that, but I am calling in about your episode on what it is to be old school, and to me it seemed like you spent more time defending 5e than you did talking about what it means to be old school, so this call is in regards to 5e and i would say that 5e is absolutely and intentionally designed to coddle players it is damn near impossible to die in 5e unless you just do something incredibly stupid almost every class can heal itself and the fact that you can go to bed with one hit point and wake up fully healed i just i think that's that's just crazy to me it's a fine system People can play it all they want. It's fun, you know. Uh, it's just, it's not for me. And I, I, I think that it is designed to take it super easy on players. Anyway, that's enough. Peace out.
0: Oh, um, hey, Joe. Good hearing from you. Yeah, it's been a while, but uh, no worries. But, uh, whoa, hey. Um, yeah, uh, I think you missed part of the topic there. We had already covered old school uh, a while back it probably too far back for yeah, most
1: well, people. Well what are the yeah, I mean what we covered what the qualities of uh old school is and what made old school games old school. You know, that that was more of the zone for that previous topic. Uh, you know, I I think you're dead on though is that uh Five uh, E is radically different from old school uh first editions and things like that. It's not really a defense, though. I I would not constitute uh, that last one as a defense of 5e, but rather how to take the 5e system and inject
0: old-school mentality. Well, we were also talking about uh, Pathfinder too during that, so I think that was... Yeah, you didn't see it as weird. Depending 5e, we were showing how you could take things like 5e, 3rd edition, Pathfinder and incorporate old-school elements into them. Interrupting the rest periods, wandering monsters. That's why they're needed.
1: Raising the potential fatality level uh, via small rules, tweaks, uh, that, the potential is there. But the assessment that 5e is more player-friendly, it is, it is more long-campaign, low-death. Uh, coming out of the box, yeah, it is. I mean, looking right at it, you know, just as the... the oh, we're looking at you, but the... Now, 3rd now, Edition, of course, that's not so much uh, the case. It, mm-hmm. it could be pretty darn fatal in 3rd uh, Edition. It,
0: it depends what you're doing and how you're playing it. But yeah, you know, you can... I do... know I
1: got my butt kicked a lot. Well, my, my intro to 3rd yeah. Edition was uh, uh, being nearly disemboweled by a single goblin. If this were A lowly a, goblin, dude.
0: A lowly goblin rogue. But yeah, welcome... To the jungle. I had not
1: emotionally prepared myself for le- rogue-level... What? You played Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay? Come on. A goblin with a sharp stick is a menace. Uh, well, yeah, one crit, and, you know, I went into Warhammer knowing that, like, crits were in the offing, and they were the worst thing that could possibly happen to you.
0: Wait, the monsters get crits? Oh. Dang, this game is badass. You give pay I, points just to keep you alive. Yeah,
1: I, and they gave them to you for a reason. Those were not to be, like, carefully, you know... Squirrel away. Those those were to be cashed out so you could make it through combat. No. 3rd uh, edition had its, its tough elements. 5th edition, it's a fair assessment to say that it is softer. It is. Yeah. They've taken the rough edges off. But the the thrust of our convo on 5e is like how to bring back that fear. You know, bring back right. that fatality, that risk.
0: It's a uh, You can bring it. It's not a rule in. set. Oh, old yeah. school is not a rule set, it's a mindset. So if you're in that groove, you can make it. So um thanks for taking us to task, but oh uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, uh, a, a I fair think enough th-
1: assessment of 5E is that indeed it is a much softer edition and some people not down for it. If you play it as it is right out of the box with the standard uh, uh, kit, it is yeah, it, it it does not have the old school vibe. But it can
0: be altered. Pray I don't alter it further. I will make it legal. <laughs> Alright, so speaking of ominous tones, uh we're going to take another call from Joe in a different direction. And uh, he's going to give us some up
2: for on Dark Sun. Yeah! What's up, fellas? It's Joe again. And that was a fantastic Dark Sun episode, dudes. I love Dark Sun. I've never played in it. But I looked at the art uh i love cannibal halflings maybe my favorite uh f- favorite playable you know species or whatever you want to call it and all of gaming i just think it's just such a fantastic idea dude uh so yeah thanks for putting that out boys have a good one peace out oh
0: well thanks joe uh glad you liked it yeah cannibal halflings uh you know, with their second breakfast, and uh, <laughs> bungees and you. brunch, and second brunch.
1: I don't think he knows about Elevenses. Yeah, he will now. Elevenses, <laughs> uh, breakfast was his toes. Yeah. Elevenses were up to the knee. So. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, Dark Sun is just a gloriously brutal campaign world. Yeah, it's right
0: so, cream with their taste for elves. Yeah, mm. uh, they, they consider elves a delicious snack. Oh. Yeah, and you have an elf rogue in the party. They're magically delicious. There's also, yep. And <laughs> wow. also, elves at Dark Sun, since there's no freaking forests around, they run. And with Rye cream around, I'd run too. Oh, well.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I I never got tired of Dark Sun, uh, aside from the grim art. Uh, I, it really, you know, Braum should have done all the artwork for that.
0: Uh, yeah. but yeah, His artwork, he definitely, I think, probably more than any other product. I mean, Planescape comes to mind as having an evocative setting, that initial, uh, I don't know what you want to call it, uh, that rusty patina, the mm. green, bronze, coppery, uh, rust, vertigris. There you yeah, go. Yeah, vertigris. got uh, to search the the, the, the stuff that uh,
1: creeps up on... On copper, bronze, and brass.
0: Vertigris was uh, ubiquitous with the Planescape, but the interior artwork was done by different people. I think uh, Tony de uh, defined Planescape a lot too, much like Brahm did. But he wasn't as uh, as prominent as Brahm was, at least in those early days. Just, you know, that guy just defined a whole game just by his uh, uh, sketches and his paintings. So, yeah, much... uh, a lot of kudos to that, I'm glad you liked it too. And uh, anybody else who uh, enjoys Dark Sun, you know, uh, gets turned off sometimes by the signings. I hear some guys file the signings off, and of course, that's your prerogative. I mean, uh, oh yeah, they aren't I, rules; I'm, they're I, they're guidelines. And yeah, I'm
1: a huge fan of DM tinkering. You know, it just it, it it is such a facet of the game since the earliest days that if somebody doesn't like something, even if I do, you know, if, if they find a way to to shear it off without radically damaging uh, game balance. So be it,
0: man. To, to put it in a different perspective, the way I always looked at everybody having a psionic power, even if you weren't a psionist, was kind of like Xanth, where everybody had a unique magical attribute that kind of gave you a little bit of an edge.
1: Ah, here's Anthony Xanth.
0: Yes. That's how example. I compared it to, that, you know, everybody had a potential to something, and uh, of course, psionist being fully supported. With the difficulties of spell casting. I mean, if whether you're a preserver or defiler didn't mean anything to other most people. They'd assume the worst. <laughs> you could say, hey, I'm a preserver. I'm, like, out-preserving life. But you're casting spells, and we don't like you. So, that. Yeah, there's a pretty strong bias against it in any case. The, uh, this is why we can't have nice things, because of defilers.
1: Yeah, the trust level is pretty low after you, like, you know, like, <laughs> the well is poisoned, and, you know, the land has turned sour, and, you know... And all we know is that, like a guy was casting spells, and then next week everything went to crap. Yeah, that it drops the trust level on spellcasters in general.
0: It cannot be. Yeah, like, and one of the things we also rim setting. Yeah, and also just having that arcane magic uh, put crosshairs on your uh, forehead or your character sheet, however you want to put it, also lent uh, itself well to the fact that you know even preservers could defile if they so wished. Uh, it, the yeah. temptation was there.
1: You know, you find yourself in dire straits where not a lot of options are available to you other than going the dark route. Uh, there's the fast way to power, uh, or, you know, the light side. And <laughs> you can tempt the players with it uh, in campaign, you know.
0: Yeah, you're standing in a little oasis, you know, you can just take a little bit. It'll, sure, you know, some grass will die, but it might grow back. After centuries. Yeah. Just saying. I mean, you know, in due time.
1: What's, what's the harm, really? You know? Mm-hmm. Uh, dire circumstances? Heal the party? Uh, at a particularly critical moment? Or...
0: Yeah. And on <laughs> yeah, another, another you, note... You can
1: put people in those moral quantities. ...was
0: how isolated uh, Dark Sun was from the rest of the game worlds. So, um, you know, like Dragonlance, you could potentially reach it through maybe Spelljammer. Or... Through the plains or up another up well of many worlds, you could also uh, you know travel a lot uh, freer between Forgotten Realms and Greyhawk by uh, planar travel. But um, Asus, it existed only in around the elemental and ethereal planes. That was it. It was kind of sealed off. So, kind of interesting on that one. Yeah, so. it was
1: not designed for inter-campaign visits. It, yeah. was, it was intended to be a standalone.
0: alone uh, You come to Dark set. Sun, you better best be prepared to bring your egg game. <laughs> yeah, you
1: better come correct, because <laughs> they do not play. Oh.
0: Yeah, I think it's kind of dopey that you start at third level, one guy said. And "Like, Do you see most of the monsters? I mean, one of the early encounters right in there is with a creature called a Gaj, called the Cyanic Horror. And, uh, yeah, with its bite, does 3 to 18 points of damage.
1: Yeah. That, it, I, I gotta say, you know, uh, for for the naysayers, you know, like, okay, okay, you really want to play in our Travel there so that you can still have your metal armor and your shiny swords and all that.
0: <laughs>
1: you are eaten by cannibal halflings who sell your goods like Jawas.
0: <laughs> 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 hey, that's a good use for him. yeah, Yeah, it's just... <laughs> <laughs> all right, but yeah, we, we get talking about Darkson We'll no, at no, no. cackling all night.
1: We could laugh about that
0: uh, all night. But thank you for the call. All right, all right and we're back. Uh, yeah, thanks a lot for all calls and stuff like that. And of course, uh, we're here to provide you with a dual edge topic tonight, much like the last one. So, just again, a quick reminder is that uh, this topic is going to be touching on two things at once it's going to be both kind of an exploration and a rant so you are warned
1: <laughs> yeah and and remember of course uh, do not take it too seriously these aren't firm stances this is more of a a rambling diatribe uh in keeping with our friday rants uh, our freeform fridays uh, we'll just you know dance around it and you
0: know see what you know, we, we take a topic we throw it on the ground and we kick it around till it dies yeah <laughs> That's how we do it. So, so like what, a gnome. Yes. Like a gnome. So what are we talking about tonight? Well, we're talking about that most dreaded thing of all. The house rule.
1: Uh, yeah, yeah. Subject of many a debate online. Uh, long-standing part of gaming tradition. It dates back to the beginning. Uh I can't recall having gamed at a table that didn't have at least one house rule, Uh, with the solitary exception of um, those rarefied circumstances at conventions where you ran across people who were sticking with absolute by the book integrity. Um, And that did impede speed of play. House rules were everywhere and still are. So, you know. Hey, let's throw it up for the house rule.
0: Yeah, the house rule is a long and well storied tradition. Yeah, storied and venerated mm. uh, as well by many, and also despised by some, um, and also embraced by a great number of people. Because let's face it, certain people have a different style of rule. Now, I've never met anybody, or I've been in a lot of different campaigns, and to be honest, very few of them have been. Uh, without house rules or just learning the bakeries. Like, oh, the RDM does combat a little bit like this, or he runs crits like that, or, you know, there's all sorts of differences in how each individual table, each individual group, decides what the house rules are they're going to use. And by a large part, you should discuss it with the players on regular. But for the most part, if you're playing in a kind of standardized format like Adventurer's League or uh, open game Stick to the rules for the most part, because that way everybody has a familiarization or familiarity and they already know what the expectations are. House rules are just that. It's for a home table, home campaign. And, of course, they can be as lengthy or as few as you need. Oh, certainly. Look, I've gamed at tables that
1: really only tweaked one or two things. Uh, It's comparatively rare for, like, a whole stack of house rules to creep up. Mm but with some of the older editions where there were a lot of uh, vagaries, a lot of, uh, how do I put it? Um, there were a great many minutia based rules, uh, and it really did have the potential to bog down gameplay. So whole sections could wind up being discarded. Uh, <laughs> so I've, I've seen a few examples of house rules, uh, not so much being the addition of something or the alteration of something, but also the excising of something. Like uh, weapon speed tables, for instance, was a good example of things yep. that we just passed and said, ah, you know, let's just resolve it the old way. Uh, I don't want to like sit here with my plus twos for this circumstance against that armor and my plus four against Or you mean armor to
0: hit adjustment versus specific weapons, yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah. It it got terribly convoluted in and or around the like one point five to two point five zone.
0: I'd actually say the first edition right off the bat. Yeah D and D was the, you know, the the hardest to play. I think Unearthed Arcana added some complexities, but it wasn't it was more on the player side than it was on the overall rules side. But avoiding uh getting into too many skirmishes over the little things in first edition. Let's just say that um, the most one I saw early on was the way initiative was handled, and it wasn't always by the book. Um, I remember a guy I uh, was on Discord to talk to Tenkar, and he was one of the few people I've ever met that could describe it just as fast as I can because I've won the. This you know, Frank Messner said to me, "Oh, you know, I never used any of the AD&D rules," and I said, "I can explain. Uh, who here can explain initiative in five minutes or less? Mm-hmm. Bing, I did it in two minutes. I." played by the book, I played by the loose, I played uh, with, uh, without the armor adjustments, I played with weapon speeds only as a rule of thumb, like, you know, okay, can a dagger move before? But, again, there were a couple things you missed. If you didn't use weapon speeds, then you were kind of given a short shrift to the smaller weapon speeds that were kind of baked into the game about space requirements and things like that. I think everybody can understand if you're in a big or uh, small closet and you have a two-handed sword... You're not going to be as effective as a guy with a dagger.
1: Yeah, and uh, we did give a nod to that in some of the early games a long time ago. Yep, uh, we started with uh, spell casting to resolve spell casting, uh, moved second phase, uh, you know, with a group initiative, like you know, the the party is going, they got a six, so they're going first. And we broke it up. Let's resolve the spells first. Let's resolve missile
0: fire second. Missile fire first. Smallest, uh, fastest fight.
1: weapons next. And then heavy, slow weapons finally. Uh, so, yeah, I got boned a lot as a warrior. Uh,
0: you know. Because he liked the big, heavy I, weapons. I
1: really did. And, uh, you know, I'm <laughs> gone. It's a slow train of a- coming, but when it gets there, oh, look out.
0: <laughs> Where, you know, I was the guy with the bastard sword, like, hey. Just one segment uh, longer than, uh, or slower than a long sword wielded one handed. Oh. And just two segments, or three segments faster than the two handed sword when wielded two handed. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, the spread's still there. Keep the drive alive with the hands of a paladin of the bastard sword. Ah. Ah, the perfect middle ground. I know.
1: Ah, no. uh, Those little house rules, the, the things that we excised, the things that. Uh, we adjusted you know do you think those really fundamentally altered the game experience not at all no absolutely you not know, it was still it was still very much
0: old the, school there was there was some there were some people I played with later that kind of uh showed me that you know you were kind of skip missing something there but uh eh, you know it was fun uh i guess the biggest uh that was the biggest one but let's focus more on like how you house rule something like, okay, we already had Joe calling and he's talking about you know going to sleep, you know, and you come back with your full hit points the next day. Well, how do you you know it's it's totally easy to make that? And perfectly fine comparison is that that's why you have wandering monsters, that's why uh you do certain things. But uh, if you wanted to say, for instance, how would you house rule 5th edition to make it more old school, but just taking that rule? So let's uh let's break that apart. This is how I would do it. I would say if you're in an unsafe or unexplored place that you haven't got a secure area. And by that I mean by one where you know where the exits and entrances are.
1: Oh, so if you're in a big cavern with like four entrances and exits and you don't know what's lying beyond three of them, uh, screw you, that is not a safe campsite.
0: Right, now if you, like in first edition, um, and this is the only thing I'm going back here because this is where I cut my teeth, is they made a big... Deal about having uh, a safe place to retreat to if you are a smart uh, adventuring team or group, that you would always have a well uh, prepared area, perhaps manned by some of your henchmen or some of your uh, animal companions from your followers hanging out there watching the place for you. So you had a, a well prepared area ahead of time to retreat to. That would be perfectly acceptable to go you know, hole up and uh, lick your wounds. Um, so if you want to say, like in fifth edition, like if you're just in a newly explored area and you just, you know, slam the door shut, uh I'm not going to say you're going to have a restful night. I've had a lot of personal experiences in places where I'm not familiar with, and I didn't sleep a damn good in it.
1: Not well. All right. Fair enough. That uh, you know, throwing a little real life circumstance in there. But, yeah,
0: but you know. I mean, that's that's just my take on it. That's how I would house rule it, but. You know, if players really rebel against you as you, the DM, as the ultimate authority, that's why you invest yourself in talking with your players and working out maybe a compromise.
1: Yeah, all right. Uh, Allowing a little player input is not a bad thing. Uh, Although, uh, worth mentioning, uh, one of the best traditions I noticed uh, was the like kind of form letter list of assumptions included at the beginning of every campaign, uh, which. Cited what house rules were going to be in play mm-hmm. so that you know this was not stuff made up on the fly, uh, but handed out every player came in, hit the table, knowing what they were going to face. Like, but what about the rule that says this already covered? You know, uh, yeah, that's third item point. on the list. If you're going to make
0: a rules change, make it so that everybody's on board with it, yeah, you want so to- you don't just pull it out of the blue when they pull to the in a clutch situation hoping that they can get what is normally set in the rules as an expectation and then you tell them nope doesn't apply here well you know there you go yeah
1: now that's a rough circumstance that's something that you know can be game disruptive and create little arguments yep. it it sets the dm versus player dial which is already like supposed to be set midway you know that the dm is the creator of obstruction and opposition uh, you know, you're, you're the maker of challenges. You know, that's, that's what it means to DM is, you know, you're the, the storyteller, the interpreter, and the challenge giver. Uh, so, you know, it, it's a tough hat to wear already. So having people on the same page as you out of the gate, really important, you know, you well, want so that open Well, I'm embedded to you.
0: What are you going to do? Uh, what, would you change his house rule or, uh, making, uh, healing a little bit more precarious.
1: Uh, honestly, I, given that most rules in 5th edition are subject to DM Fiat, you know, I mean, right. it's, it's kind of spelled out implicitly that uh, adjustments can be made. Um, I would drop the cutscene thing that, like, unless travel is going to involve uh, days of uninterruption, you know, like, literally, uh, you know, we're nice and safe and cozy in a town. Okay, fine. You know, a couple of days kicking back in town, I see no harm in, uh, letting the hit points, you know, fly back up to the the maximum. Uh, on the other hand, I'm with you when it's camping in wild places. Uh, you know, I'm a little hawkish about giving up the idea of, uh, you cannot rest properly, unless you peel away your armor and bed down safely for the night. Uh, at which point, you're vulnerable to DM attack. Uh, I'm a huge fan of wandering encounters.
0: Uh, ah, the yes, old the good old LaCrota creeping up on you in the middle of the night, biting your head off. Oh, and any number of
1: other nasties populate every wild place and every cavern. Uh, I honestly think that one's on the dm to you know inject that back into campaign play sure sure so that it's a world where the players are perpetually at risk when they're outside the confines of civilization i'm a lot more open minded when the environment is comfortable you know uh, city adventure oh, yeah. everybody goes back
0: to the tavern or in well traveled at. patrolled roads uh, with yeah
1: know, way stations uh you know, temples, things like
0: that. Yeah, I,
1: I see no harm in fast-tracking healing, but you can nerf it through those techniques. Uh,
0: yeah, and without, become, without becoming kind of a dick DM and just like, oh, well, this is going to happen this time. You know, again, letting people know
1: that. But Well, and that's just it is The random element is important, okay? It's not that, like, man, every single time, you know, Every time we like try to like, I, I put a bedroll down and a monster jumps out. You know, because there, it shouldn't be like that. There should be dice involved. There should be an element of uncertainty. Uh, the players should be wondering. You know, when the dice hits the table, either we're going to get a decent night's rest and heal up instantaneously, or things are going to go south. So. Putting that random element in there where it's not 100% guaranteed you're going to get an encounter. Right. Uh, that's essential to this concept
0: that it, it should be... Exactly. That's the, It, it, it should shouldn't be a, be a grudge match.
1: It should be an adventure, which, again, is the point.
0: But um, getting back on the house rules, I think yeah. you now we're, we're trying to, uh, to cover a, a different tact. But getting off in the weeds and coming back on the trail, we're uh, that's what we house ruling. What's good house rules for you? What what makes a good house rule? Right there, Let, let's ask that question. Okay, um, uh, let's see. Beginning with
1: the initiative thing, we kind of covered that one. Uh, the second was weapon speeds back in the day. That was another major stumbling block for me that I was mm-hmm. very eager to put aside. A third one would probably be spell times. Uh the length of casting. I had a little trouble with having to constantly back check spells. And my rule of thumb was that, honestly, if a spell was somewhere under level 5, I didn't even bother to check on the casting time. I just let it pass. Uh, If they were not painstakingly inscribing stuff into the ground, Uh, (laughs) most spells were simply considered relatively instant and went off at the beginning of the round. Mm -hmm. Uh, And again, this was exactly related to the most important part of house rules, the fundamental need to speed gameplay. Okay. Uh,
0: Yeah, that's more what I was asking. What makes a good house rule? Something that speeds gameplay and adds value to the game time. time. Okay.
1: So it comes back to the same thing in all of those examples. Uh, time cutting. Because let's face it, sometimes it's very hard to get more than like four to six hours uh, with a group of people. And your time is coming at a premium, especially in this era where it's not really a nine-to-five world anymore. So juggling schedules is very tough for gamers. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you, you'll see that online all over the place. People talking about, you know, I would rather face a 30-hit dice dragon than face trying to schedule a game with, like, six players.
0: And this is real life. Yeah. yeah.
1: You know, (laughs) Uh, of the two encounters, the dragon is the easier one. Uh, So with time as a premium, things that shave unnecessary adjudication and discussion
0: off of a game... Are kind of a victory. I mean, it it has a premium value there. Okay, uh, I I totally agree. I can't uh, really counter it with anything other than some malarkey of mine uh, I could conjure forth from ding dongs on the internet, but <coughs> um, that I wouldn't agree with on a. a the, Price of uh, Joe over at the Starbucks but oh
1: well but look anyway the point is what, the, the game is the game and no matter how much time you have like if we only had four hours and two of it was spent
0: arguing over well, rules when then what are we doing
1: I mean if that made people happy once again I guess my old gamer adage would be you know like well if you yeah, came away from the table and you had a great time arguing over rules for two hours you still won I mean I yeah I mean you that you, would explain a couple you left happy. If you left happy, you won. That—that that is the only way D and D has a winner. Is if players walked away going,
0: ah. "Yeah, I really enjoyed arguing over those rules for two hours." And yeah, I it, enjoyed it the fight out in the parking lot, that's a thing. Um, no, I've never heard that one, but I'm pretty sure maybe some people do that. Uh, you know, some impromptu MMA. But uh, I would also like to point out that, however you run a game. Here's my uh, axiom per house rule. If it's not working well, if, it's, if it makes people scratch their heads even after a third or fourth reading of the rule out loud, uh, there are some rules, the way that they're written, especially in Pathfinder, like guide and rules can just drive me fucking nuts. So, but I learned to calm my jets and read them point for point, understand, and then move to the next part. It is a little obtruse in uh, masterwork items and how you can make profits off of things. And there's a system there, but I'm not always cool with it because it I, tends to take way too much out of when I want a, a role to determine how well a player does at crafting an item, that's fine. When I want to learn uh, know how much a player can sell it for, again, that's fine, but... Other than that, the item creation rules for me other are just uh, cumbersome. So I tend to just use a standard streamlined format that I have that takes a certain value of an item, cuts it in a third or a quarter, by, depending on the player's role, and we move on. It works fast. It's not as precise as the one presented the rules, but it makes the game flow better. And for people who have item creation rules, they feel rewarded. Uh, or invested in their achievements based on how well they roll, so they want to roll well, and if they have a really good roll. They're excited, and if they have a mediocre roll, they still know that they're not going to produce a crappy item. They're going to just get more or less the the standard price. Yeah, they'll get their
1: value out of it, but they're not. Uh, you're not rolling home the right. swag in boxcars.
0: So, okay, so that's a house rule I did. I also done a house rule on two weapon fighting. To make it more intuitive rather than a feat tax.
1: You know, that would be another characteristic overall of good house rules. I mean, number one was to you know like speed gameplay. Uh, number two, reducing complexity, uh, which in turn speeds gameplay, but reducing complexity for those occasional minutiae rules that the wording is clunky. And let's face it, games are written by a huge variety of people. Uh, We played an enormous variety just in our circle of friends. uh, So many different games. And more than a few of them have called for a moment where, you know, we got to hit the timeout buzzer. we got to parse this out one word at a time Mm -hmm. and iron out what exactly was their intent here. Uh, But when we can't quite get a clear intent or a really clear picture falling back on a house ruling, and then just, we're going to stick with this from now on.
0: As long as it's consistent.
1: Yeah, as long as it's one consistent ruling, and it saves the DM having to go back and re-rule every single yeah. time.
0: And that's the number one thing I want to bring away from this, is that whenever you make a house rule, or you decide to make a rules change, stick with it. If later you find out, hey, that's a really bad one, as an old proverb says, a, <clears throat> a wise man changes his mind. A fool does not. That applies here. You know, if it's not working, and you know, you are not going to lose space by saying, "Hey, we made a mistake. Maybe in hindsight, the way we're doing it is not uh, working out." You know, a guy's making twenty thousand gold pieces every time he makes a rod of wonder. Oh, and geez. you found a ru- and they found a loophole. Well, it's time to close the loophole. Don't let it exist simply because. Well, that's the way the rules are written. Her, her, her. and uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. That is that is not an excuse for uh, we. You're not going to. You know, my old, old stance and fallback. To I had a player uh, exploiting that a while ago, was to say, okay, you can sell three of them for that price, but then the market dies up because there's not that many people who want them. And second of all, there's not that many people who can afford them. And lastly, you're making that much money. I have, uh, well, not corporations, but consortiums and mercantile clans and guilds that will start to look at you askance. Oh, a new player. Well, either it's time to join up or face the consequences. Break a deal. Face the wheel. Oh,
1: yeah. Uh, (laughs) Having players run afoul of uh, already existing financial interests uh, when they disrupt the marketplace it's a nice tactic for correcting that little error, but, but yeah, you know, a house rule uh, is somewhat different from cunning DM, uh, you know,
0: uh, reversals of fortune. Well, you got to always be on your toes with players, and when a loophole does ex- uh, show up in your game, you can close it, or you can make it creative. I prefer sometimes to do both, but at the same time. It's what is more convenient for me. If I'm playing a long-term campaign and this is just a minor annoyance, most of the time I'll just say, you can't do that, and give an explanation, we'll move on. The next part is, if it is the major focus of the campaign, then I'm going to invoke other factors. But, this gets us to the next point. What is a bad house rule? Oh, alright.
1: The worst house rules are ones that have clearly, to me clearly imbalanced the game. Uh, Example, if a house rule is designed to benefit the party directly in combat or to radically benefit the DM, if it's too much of a tilt in either direction, uh, it really, to me, that takes an essential element away from the game, which is the fairness of, you know, a system designed so that the players experience a challenge but have the potential to overcome it. If a house rule is made like, you know, uh, say for instance, um, surprise encounters, Mm -hmm. and they've been fudged by the current DM to so heavily benefit creatures... ...that surprise is almost an inevitability. Like, almost all encounters start with surprise. You know, like, oh, we got surprised again. No wonder. Because uh, they have... Well, if it's an invisible
0: way. stalker, you should expect to be nah. surprised. Yeah, but, you know, with, but with the exception of that being a unique creature... The kobold carrying a torch. Yeah. How did he sneak up on us again when we see the torchlight? Um, you know, they're really good at hiding it.
1: Yeah, if you, f- if you have fudged a rule to such a degree that it severely advantages one group or the other... You probably made a judgment miss, you know, miscall mis- there. That's...
0: Yeah, I see a lot with uh, classes, people. Uh, we'll just pick on the surprise thing because you bring me back to another point. Okay. Back in, uh that a guy once I played with uh, said thieves and assassins double their attacks uh, during surprise round. And I'm like, you know, at first, it sound pretty cool. You know, like, eh, you can see that. Yeah. You're kind of like shifty. But uh, after getting three backstabs in a row, Hey, I was just as surprised the first time it happened as I was the third. You're superlative at your backstabbing, sir.
1: Yeah, uh, it, it quickly becomes apparent that this campaign is the backstab campaign. Uh-huh.
0: <laughs> yeah, so that that completely threw it out. We're like, well, what's the point? Just let the thieves go up ahead and surprise everything, and then everybody else just picks up the loot.
1: Yeah. Uh, see, and again, that's one of those moments where it is so severely advantaged to one particular thing. Spells are trusts. another,
0: like, uh, I met another game master in Pathfinder that didn't believe that, uh... Well, he didn't didn't believe in saving throws, but he just thought that unless you were consciously and willfully resisting a spell, you shouldn't get a saving throw. And, of course, this goes a little bit back to the older editions. If you didn't have a kind of a... a an explanation of how you were avoiding a trap or a, uh brass weapon, uh, then, you know, you just didn't get a saving throw.
1: Yeah, so if you weren't looking
0: for a pit trap, you went down it. Yep. Yeah. And if you didn't have your shield up or you were dodging you, as soon as the dragon opens his mouth and I jump aside, you didn't get a saving throw. So, okay, those are house rules where I get it that there's kind of a gotcha moment and that makes players uh, really pay attention, but after a while it gets a little old. And sometimes you just have to let dice... Be the arbiters. You know, the player can be as alert as they want at the table, but the character is the one that has is at stake it here. And that's why there's a difference between player knowledge character knowledge. There's another good one uh, I want to segue into, but as we run a little bit on time, I want to kind of wind this up by saying that house rules, uh, part of being a DM, is being a game designer. Even if you never really invest in house rules, or you just play it by the book, or you play a, a stripped-down version. Part of being a DM is to be a game designer, and games are not perfect, as we all well know. There, <laughs> There's some weird things that happen, like, what the heck is up with the scimitar rules? Oh, my gosh. And so then sometimes you have to step aside and say, you know, this rule just is not working out, and yeah. we want to change it. And if players also feel that there's too much one way or one class gets an advantage, that's the time to step back and say, uh, you know, um, we're going to default back to the rules and go as they're written. But uh, an example would be when you mentioned classes that are excessively tweaked,
1: uh, a bad house rule, uh, somebody doesn't carefully adjudicate uh, barbarians or like gives them almost constant perpetual no-cost rage or something mm-hmm. like that. Uh, You wind up with a party where, uh, you know, one particular character is just a riot that is on fire all the time, and everybody else is just dragging along afterwards. Yeah, ideally, Uh,
0: players, each character class should have a moment to shine in an episodic campaign. You know, you're clearing out a dungeon, you know, there's going to be a couple rooms, obviously, the wizard or spell slinger is going to have a field day and just, you know, oh, they're all mashed up in one area. <laughs> 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 and there's going to be another one where the barbarian goes in a rage and cleaves everything down. And, you know, the the archer gets a really good shot from, you know, far away and kills the dragon with one hit. Hey, those all are going to happen. Just let the dice take care of that. And most of the situations work out. But house ruling should be done, as Mike clearly put it, facilitate play. Make it fun and not bog time Or sink a great deal of time in. Correct it, That would be like I guess the big takeaways That you cut your time
1: uh, You cut your number of arguments uh, You cut your amount of research You know for Rule adjudications And allow the narrative to keep going uh, Let people get from room to room In that dungeon And kill those monsters Find that loot That's the essence of it
0: well, Stuff well, that's fun, the meat and potatoes. Yeah, and house rules help you do that. And as you can hear the rumbling, that's our sign to get going. So we're going to quickly sign off here. But we hope you enjoyed our conversation about rules and house ruling and how to keep them going. So if you have any comments, questions, always keep them coming, either on the Anchor app or on our Facebook page. Yes. But until next time, may, may the, the dice always roll in your, your favor. We're out
2: Yeah.